0: want to share with you just a little bit of my story Uh, when I was in year 10 there was this girl in my class her name was Kerry and Kerry was a Christian Uh, but not only was Kerry a Christian she was someone who actively shared her faith Uh, which when I look back and I thought that's pretty impressive for a year 10 student at a government school to be so open about her faith and uh, but that was the kind of person that Kerry was Uh, I remember this one particular time we're in class And everyone's sitting their heads, you know, putting their heads down, getting their work done. And I'm sitting at a table with Kerry and we're doing our work and we strike up a conversation. And uh, before too long, that conversation turns to spiritual things. We start speaking about God. She started speaking a little bit about her story and what she believed. And I, I wasn't a Christian at the time. I had no grid for God at that point or anything spiritual. I wasn't searching for God at all. But what she had to say resonated with me. What she had to say made me think, wow, this is interesting. This is amazing. Now, Kerry did not preach the whole gospel. She didn't. She just shared a little bit of her story. But what she did is that she sowed a seed. And little did I know what that seed would accomplish later on down the track. Uh, I remember around that time. Uh, I was invited to a Christian youth group. At this youth group, they gave a gospel shot. Uh, I heard the gospel for the first time and I thought, wow, this is exactly what Carrie's been talking to me about. Maybe there's something in this. And that seed that she had sown grew bigger. And I heard the gospel again and it grew bigger. And I heard the gospel again and it grew bigger. And I started asking questions. I I started reading. I started thinking and God's still stirring in my heart. And he put me on this spiritual search. Long story short, about two years of searching, uh, I finally surrendered. I gave my life to Jesus. I was convinced that He's Lord and Savior. I got baptized. Not long after that, I felt a very strong call into the ministry to do this kingdom work. And so for the next three decades or so, I've had an amazing opportunity to be used by God in many different contexts. You know, reaching to people in the streets and the homeless and in schools and in prisons. And I've had the opportunity to preach the gospel to people, the gospel of Jesus Christ. People have been led to Christ, and I get to disciple people to follow after Him. Because the way that I see it, the way that I read the Scriptures, is that it's all about Jesus. And I don't want to do anything that doesn't involve Jesus, because really, He is everything. He is life, the way, the truth, and the life, that's Jesus. And even Paul said, I've lost all things that I may gain Christ. So it's not about Jesus. If you're not living for him, what are you living for? And so that was my way of uh, looking at things when I gave my life to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm all in. I am all in. And do you know what? Even to this day, that is still my prayer. I say, Lord, I'm all in. I want more of you. Who wants more of God? Who wants more of his grace, his love, his power, his joy? I know I do. But, you know, that's my, that's my story. That's my journey that God has been taking me on to right here, right now. But do you know where it all started? Rewind back to 1990 with this girl called Carrie in my class. Took the time to speak to me about God. Like I said, she didn't preach the gospel. She didn't need to. That happened later on. But what she did in sowing that seed, it was a ripple effect that actually affected many, many people and changed their eternal destiny because of her obedience. Isn't it interesting that, that what seems like very small actually was something very, very significant. And the cool thing is any one of us who love God, we can be used like Kerry to invest in people's lives so that they may come to Jesus. And that's what I want to speak about today. I want to speak about being used of God to reach people who don't know him. Just as God used Kerry to reach me when I didn't know him. Because you know what? There's probably people in your life, people that you know in your workplace, your community, maybe in your family who don't know Jesus, and you want them to come to saving faith in him. You want them in the kingdom. Well, guess what? God is using you. He's using me to actually be a light and shine in their world with the end result of getting them into kingdom. But the question is, how do we do it? How do we do it in a way that's unique to us? So that's what I'm going to be speaking about. Some people might use the word evangelism. I don't generally use that word a lot. Not because I don't believe in it. I do. But I think for some people, they get this idea that evangelism is just for the evangelists. But that's not true. It's not true. Yes, evangelists have a unique place in the body of Christ, but we're all called to evangelize. But again, what does that look like for you? Because we've got our own unique personality, we've got our styles, and God is calling us to reach people. And so today is about thinking about what does that look like for you. Hopefully, a little bit about what I'm talking about will stir you, it will excite you, maybe even convict you if you're up for it. Yeah. So we're going to start with a well-known passage, Matthew 28. If you read along in your Bible, feel free to open up now. Matthew 28. Uh, If you haven't got a Bible, we're going to have it up on the screen. Uh, But these are the final words or some of Jesus' final words before he goes and ascends to be with the Father. He's risen from the dead. He's been hanging out with his disciples. He's about to go to the Father. And then he says these words. Let's read it. Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Now, this is what we know as the Great Commission, that Jesus has, by His authority, commissioned us, His people, to go. Go into the world and make disciples, make followers of Jesus. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, He is causing us to go and is His representatives we are continuing the mission that he started when he was on earth. As I said, he went to ascend to be with the Father, but he poured out the Spirit to come and live with it in us, to empower us to fulfill the Great Commission, to take the gospel out into the world, to reach the lost, to bring people back to Jesus, cause them to repent, baptize them, train them, disciple them to go out and do the same thing so that God's glory may fill the earth. That's the Great Commission. He's calling us to obey that And if we love Jesus, there's an expectation that we will obey that command. Amen? Amen. This is not a suggestion. It's not just a good idea that Jesus came up with one day because he was bored. It's actually a command. He says, go. Upon my authority, I commission you right now as a child of God, I want you to go. But how do we do that? I'm going to share with you three key thoughts. And um, to be honest, this is a very simple message. Geordie said, I'm a Bible nerd. There is Bible in this, but at the same time, it's very, very simple. It's not complex, but I think uh, it's, it's really going to help. Hopefully, it will help. The first principle when it comes to reaching the lost is this. If we're going to reach the lost, it should be up on the screen there. If we're going to reach the lost, we must have a heart for the lost. To reach the lost, you've got to have a heart for the lost. You look at Jesus as our model example. When you look at the Scriptures Clearly, Jesus had a heart for lost people, didn't He? In fact, it's the whole reason why He came. In Luke nineteen ten, Jesus says, "For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost." That was His whole purpose—to lead lost people back to the Father. And then we also see in Luke five, after Jesus calls Levi, or, or Matthew might call Him. Uh, He's sitting with him and and the Pharisees come and, and they say, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? In other words, why are you engaging with people who don't know God? And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So again, we see the mission of Jesus that he says, I have come to save the lost. I have come to call sinners to repentance. It is clear from the Scriptures that God's mission is for lost people. God's heart is for lost people. Remember in the the Gospels, I don't know if you remember, there's a couple of instances, I think it's Matthew and Mark. There's my Bible nerd knowledge there, right there. Um, When Jesus, it says he, he had compassion on the people. Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on the crowd. Do you know why he had compassion on them? If you read the text, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Okay? In other words, people are wandering around and they have no direction. That's the definition of lost. And it's that lostness that caused Jesus' heart to be filled with compassion. And you know, church, there are so many people like that in this world today. They're going through life. They have no purpose, no drive no meaning, no hope, and they desperately want to. They just don't know the answer is Jesus. And so they're grasping onto things of this world, trying to fill their life with those things, thinking it's going to give their life meaning and purpose, but it never does because only Jesus can. And Jesus sees them in their lostness. He looks at the crowds, he has compassion for them, and he wants them to come to him as the good shepherd to lead them and to love them and to guide them and to forgive them and to give them a fresh start. Jesus had a heart for those who were lost and without hope. And church, if we're going to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, we need to have the same heart. So with this first point, I want you to ask yourself this application question on the screen there, Jimmy. Does my heart ache for those who are spiritually lost and who don't know Christ? I want you to think about that. Does your heart ache for those who don't know him? You know, if, if you're honest and you say, well, not really. Or maybe you admit that you get distracted by the demands and the busyness of life that you don't even think about it. Can I ask you to do something, please? Can you get before God, be real, be humble and say, Lord, come and change my heart. Come and do a work in me. And really, it has to be a work of God. This is not something you can think yourself into. You need a transformational move of the Holy Spirit to come and change your heart so your heart can break for what breaks God's. If we're going to reach the lost, we've got to have a heart for the lost. And and, and when God comes and He does something in your heart and you think, man, man, the people are heading for a Christless eternity, people need God, they're lost. When God does that work in you, the compassion that he's going to put in you is going to cause you to step out and do something about it. But it starts with that first point. If you're going to reach the lost, you've got to have a heart for the lost. That's the first principle. Second principle about reaching those who don't know God is make it a priority to go for the one. Right? Don't be overwhelmed with the needs, the huge needs around you. Okay, there are many needs, right, in this world. Don't get overwhelmed and think I can't meet them all because the reality is you can't meet the needs of everybody. But guess what? You can make a difference in one person's life. Again, like Kerry did with me, one person at a time. Kind of reminds me of that story. You probably heard about it when there's a man in Mexico. He's walking down uh, the beach on, on low tide. And he looks around and he sees all these starfish, thousands of starfish being washed up onto the shore. And then he looks over the other side of the beach and he sees this little boy doing something. He looks closer and he realises this. The little boy, he's coming, he's bending down, he picks up a starfish, goes to the water's edge, throws it into the sea. The little boy goes back again, picks up another single starfish, goes to the water's edge, throws that into the sea. He does this over and over and over again. The man goes to the boy. He says, son, can't you see there are tens of thousands of starfish on this beach? I don't think what you're going to do is going to make any difference. And the boy looks at the man. Then he bends down. He picks up another starfish, walks to the water's edge, throws it into the sea, and says to the man, well, better made a difference to that one. I love that story. It reminds me that, hey, we can't save everybody, but we can make a difference one soul at a time. Because every person matters to God. Every person. You may walk down the street, people that you walk down in the shopping centre that you almost brush shoulders with, that you lock eyes with, they matter to Jesus. The people at work who don't know God, they matter to Jesus. Every single person matters to God. And we see this in the Scripture, Luke 15. Jesus gave these parables. I know that you're familiar with them. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And every one of those parables, that which was lost, was considered incredibly valuable. The sheep was valuable to the shepherd. The coin was valuable to the widow. The son was obviously valuable to the father. And each one talks about the importance of the one. Not the many. These parables aren't saying, go save the many. It says, go after the one. And what I find fascinating in these parables is the first one about the sheep. The 99, though the shepherd leaves the no-number behind and goes after that one sheep. That shepherd could have said, you know what, it's just one sheep. I've got 99 back home. Someone will take care of that sheep. I'm sure someone else, it can be someone else's problem, not mine. He could have said, well, who's going to stay after the 99? Maybe it's going to require me to get out of my comfort zone. It's cold. I don't want to go. He can make all these excuses, but he doesn't. That sheep is so important that he goes on an all-out search, all over the countryside to find it. He got out of his comfort zone because he wants to find that sheep. And I love that story because, again, that reminds me, for the sake of the kingdom, we can make a difference if we go after the one, one person at a time. And especially if that person has God's hand on them. Think about that. You don't know what God's doing in their life, do you? You know, God, I really believe, really believe that there are people out there who are searching. There are people out there who want to know God, but they're just waiting for you and I to actually engage with them. I really do believe that because Jesus said these words. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Okay, so the problem isn't with the harvest. The harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful. The problem is with the workers. There's not enough workers Or say, Lord, send me. Go into the harvest field. That's why Jesus says, go. I really believe that there are people out there. They, they just want us to speak to them. Their hearts are ready. And the reason why I say that is not only because that's my experience when I've met them, but that's, that's my experience, me personally. I was one of them. Right. Right? I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I never heard about God. But the very first person that spoke to me about God, guess what my reaction was? It wasn't like, oh, get away, Christian freak, I don't want to know. It was like, wow, that's interesting, tell me more. That was my first reaction, seriously. Who knows there are people out there that God is working on them. God has his hand on them. God is stirring their heart. And he's waiting for us to come and engage conversation with them, to pray for them, to be a light shining in their life. That's why we've got to go after the one. Who is that one? Uh, Matter of fact, the Bible uses an expression to describe someone like that. They call uh, that person the person of peace. Who's heard that expression in the Bible? Go have the person of peace. Um, you know, it's a biblical concept that Jesus laid out in the Gospels and then has continued in the book of Acts. And uh, it's an amazing teaching, I think is, is quite fascinating. Unfortunately, we won't go into it today. Um, but I'll just give you like a two-minute summary about the person of peace because it links into my, my second point there. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, the disciples are sent out in mission. And they've been told by Jesus, go find the person of peace. And when you find that person of peace, stay with them, eat with them, with the intention of sharing the gospel with them. So in the Bible, the person of peace is basically someone that God is preparing, who is searching, who is open to him. And there are many examples in the Bible of a person of peace. Uh, Levi that we see, Zacchaeus, he was hungry, he was a person of peace. Jesus ended up eating with him. And he found salvation. Uh, The woman at the well, she found a salvation in Jesus because she was ready. Cornelius, a God-fearing man who wanted to know more, heard the gospel, received Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch, he was searching. Philip came and, and shared with him the gospel. He was ready. Lydia, the Philippian jailer, the list goes on. And you look at their story and they all have something in common and unique with being a person of peace. Like I say, this is a big teaching But these are the ones that God is calling us to go after because they're open. They're ready. They're not going to push you away. So with that in mind, I want you to think, I think there might be a reflection question there too. Is there anyone in your world who you would identify as a person of peace? Like think about it. Is there anybody that you know who might be open to the gospel or at least open to having a a spiritual conversation? Right, it might be somebody at work. Maybe you don't know them that well, but you have good chats with them. Maybe they're the person of peace. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's the parent at your kid's school. Maybe it's someone you haven't met yet. Why don't you come before God and pray? God, would you lead me to that person? Show me who that is. Okay? Um you know, And when the opportunity arises to engage in conversation, they won't push you away. They'll be like a sponge. They'll be ready because you've prayed and you're waiting for God to lead you to that person. Yes, there are people who are resistant to the gospel, of course. And out of ignorance, they scoff, they get defensive. But you know what Jesus says in Luke 10? He says, guys, don't bother. Right? Jesus says, hey, just... Brush the dust off your feet and move on. Don't waste that kingdom seed on people who don't want to know. You go after the one. You go after the person of peace because they're ready. And it won't be so hard. You won't be able to try and get through and try and think of clever ways to try and convince them. Because they want to be convinced because they're searching. Of course, the next question is, how do you have a spiritual conversation with them? How do you engage with them? How do you evangelize? I think about this a lot. And just so you know, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a gift mix. I'm not an evangelist. I'm probably pastor teacher. I fall into that category. But I tell you what, I so desperately more than anything else want people to know Jesus. And so I'll do anything I can to say, Lord, use me. And all of us can be like that. Like I said. You may not be an evangelist, but God can use you in a very, very powerful way. But how do you do that? How do you have a conversation? How do you lead things back to God? I'll talk about that in a moment. But before I do, let me just go on to my third and final principle here. Never underestimate the importance of sowing kingdom seed. Never underestimate the importance so you look in the Bible, there's an expression, sowing and reaping, right? When it comes to evangelism, which one gets the most attention? It's the reaping. And I understand that because it's about winning souls. It's about getting people into the kingdom, reaping, awesome, which is what we want, no doubt about that. But listen to this, before a season of reaping occurs, there needs to be a season of sowing. In fact, you can't reap Unless seed has been sown, it's impossible. And uh, the two have to work together, like in John chapter 4. Jesus talks to the woman at the well, she encounters Messiah, she runs back and tells everybody about him. Uh, In the meantime, the disciples come back to Jesus with food and he says, hey guys, um, you're about to reap what you did not sow. In other words, you're coming in here, someone's done the heavy lifting for you and you're going to reap the benefits of their labour. And then Jesus goes on in John chapter 4. He talks about the, the person who sows and the person who reaps rejoice together. Because we're all involved in the kingdom work. Not just those who reap, but those who also sow. So never underestimate the importance of sowing kingdom seed. That can be incredible, incredibly powerful. Now I do pray that for all of us we'll have the awesome opportunity to lead someone to Christ. I don't know if you have, I don't know how many you have. I would love all believers to do that because as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing better. Yeah, I love saying before you know, a group like this and giving an altar call, but I tell you what, a one-on-one encounter when someone says, I'm ready, and you sit with them and you pray with them and you get them in their new relationship with God and, and you put them into a church and give them a Bible. I love that. It's new life. And I pray that for everybody. But I tell you what, even if you don't, even if you don't get them across the line, so to speak, it doesn't mean that you're not witnessing. It doesn't mean you're not evangelizing. It just doesn't mean you're not getting part of making disciples because you are, because you're sowing kingdom seed. Okay, we're all part of the evangelism, discipleship making process. Because you know what? Making disciples is a process. All right? Our goal is not to get people to say the sinner's prayer. That's not it. Our goal is to make disciples. And making disciples is a process that involves reaping, but also sowing. So don't underestimate the power of sowing kingdom seed. Okay? It is very, very powerful. Um, Because when... (laughs) Because when you are sowing that kingdom seed, in other words, you're you're witnessing, you're sharing your faith, you're opening up the conversation to talk about God, you're sowing seed, right? In doing that, you're laying a foundation, you are paving the way for someone else to come along at the right time and lead that person to Christ and get them into the kingdom. And they can't do that unless you do the seed sowing. So don't underestimate the power of sowing seed. And guess what? That seed that you have sown Hopefully it will produce fruit one day that you'll never see. Think about it. You may be sowing seed today that you'll never see the effect of or the fruit of later on in life. But guess what? It doesn't matter because we're just obeying Jesus. (laughs) We don't get them into heaven. We don't get them into the kingdom. We're just making ourselves available saying, Lord, send me and I'm just going to do what you want me to do. If the opportunity arises to go to that next level and, and pray with them, great. But I'm going to be committed to what you called me to do. And that's, that's, that's sowing the seed of the kingdom. Very, very powerful. Everyone plays a part. Because if you're doing something for the kingdom so that souls may be saved, you're making a difference, whatever that looks like. My concern is when people don't do anything at all. That's it. People say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I don't know what to say. I don't have all the answers. So they step back. They stay with the 99 instead of going after the one. Go after the one, even if you don't know the answers, do something. Because God can use a willing heart. Doesn't matter what you do, even in sowing the seed of the kingdom, you make an incredible difference. So remember when I spoke about Kerry at the start. A few years ago when I was leading a church, I was reminded of Kerry. And I thought to myself, she probably never knows. She never knew what she did in year 10 and what effect it had on me. So I felt prompted to track her down. 25 years later, I jump on uh, Facebook and I track her down and and I see her profile and I send her a personal message. And I said something like, Hey, Carrie, um, I'm not sure if you remember me. I was in one of your classes in year 10. But this particular day, you shared your faith with me. And I didn't know God but what you did got me thinking and you put me on a spiritual search and I eventually became a follower of Jesus and now I lead a church and I want to say thank you because it all started with you. Send. I had no idea what that was going to accomplish. 25 years ago, she may not have been walking with Jesus. I don't know, but what's the worst that could happen? 24 hours later, I get the return, the the email back. And she said, uh, she tells me she remembers, obviously, our class, myself. She doesn't remember the conversation. But she was absolutely blown away. She said, I had no idea what effect I had. No effect. And I thought about it a bit more. I mean, she could have that day walked away going, oh, what did I do talking to that cow guy? He doesn't care. Or I could have said this. Why didn't I say that? Oh, maybe I was a little bit forward. Because she admitted that she was pretty forward. But I'm glad that she was. And I'm glad that I reached out to her and let her know. And it reminds me, I wonder, even in this room, how many people's souls and eternities have been changed because of you. Because you sowed a seed. You were obedient. You may not have known, but you've obeyed God and God's pleased. And people's lives have been changed. Like I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you see fruit or not. What matters is if you are obedient. So with that in mind, are you being obedient to the great commission of going out and making disciples? Like I said, it's not called the great suggestion. It's called the great commission. He says, are you a follower of Christ? Great. Come with me. I'm going to tell you what you need to do next. It's your marching orders. And you know what, guys? It's an honor to be used of God, to even come to God for goodness sake. Not only can we come to him, we can be used mightily of him and it's exciting to be impacting for the kingdom. Um, just before we, we finish, um, I want to give you just a couple, of, just, a, just a list about ways in which we can evangelise and then the band can come up and we could. Sing a song of declaration to God again and recommitment. Um, I want to give you this list because people think, well, I don't even know, like I don't even know how to speak to people about God. Do you you know what I mean? Some people are really good at it. But some people are like scared out of their brains. They don't know what to do, what to, you know. And 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 I guess some think like, you know, Billy Graham. (laughs) Like don't. Guys, if you're not called to platform ministry and stand out the front with the microphone, you don't have to. But you can still reach people for Christ in your own way. So that's why I, I want to give you this, this list. And, and the reason why I give you this list, it's to get you thinking about it, is because I've tried some of this sort of stuff, and I feel like some of it has, a lot of it has actually worked. <laughs> so maybe this works for you. Uh, the first one is hospitality. Simple. Jordan said, we're a church that loves food. And there's something about food. When there's food on the table, conversation flows. Why don't you just ask that person, like you don't know that very well at church, saying, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? You know, you and your, your partner and I don't know, just try it. So, uh, maybe the second one on the list there is relational friendship evangelism. It's called lifestyle evangelism. In other words, become friends with people who don't know God. You know, if they're not going to church and hang out with Christians, how are they going to hear the gospel? I think it's really important. Amy and I got many friends who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, we have different values, but we love them to bits and we're praying for them and we want to have an impact in their lives. That's one way. Invite people to Alpha. We're going to continue to run Alpha in this church. It's an amazing ministry. John and Linda do an exceptional job. If you sense somebody who might be open to spiritual matters, step out, ask them, invite them. Yeah, because that's an environment where God can really speak to them. Uh, serving the poor, helping the needy. Uh, the amount of times I've shared the gospel with the homeless is incredible. They're probably the most open people to the gospel because they know they're broken. And they need Jesus. Um, it might be dangerous at some parts of the city. Make sure you go with twos, but that's another thing for another, another time. Uh, going on overseas mission trips, uh, street witnessing as well. Uh, sometimes that can be confronting going to people on the street, talking to them about God, often to pray for them. But it's amazing what God will do when you get out of your comfort zone. (laughs) In fact, when you witness or share Christ, whatever the context, it always requires faith. That list there, it all requires faith. It requires you to get your comfort zone and stepping out and asking God to come and use you. So whether it's initiating conversation with someone you know, or going up to someone on the street offering to pray for them, which can be scary, I get that. But when you face the fear, God comes through and it's exciting. I don't know if you've experienced that before. It requires stepping out. But here's the thing, the more you do it, the easier it gets. All right? The first time is always the scariest, but after you've done it a few times, you get into a rhythm, okay? But a lot of people are stepping back. They're not going to step out. It's too scary. They'll never know. But once you step out and go, God, come through for me. If you need the rest of the band to come and join us. That would be great. So get out of your comfort zone. Work within your personality. Like I said, we're not all Billy Grahams. And always, this is really important, okay? Always be ready and look for opportunities. Look for that opportunities. I really believe that there are opportunities every day. And if we don't look for them, we're going to miss them. Here's a verse I want to leave you with. I think it's Colossians there. Colossians 4, it says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So, the way that you speak, words of grace, hopeful language, they can be an incredible witness. And as it says, be wise in the way that you act. Look at your behavior. Are you reflecting God? Are you reflecting His kindness? Are you serving Him well? Are you doing little things to bless them? And then this text says to make the most of every opportunity. Because like I said, I believe that there are many opportunities waiting for us if we just look for them. And we say, Lord, I don't want to miss those opportunities. Let me give you one example and I'm done. Of a little opportunity. It's nothing big, but just encourage you in these little conversations. Recently, at one of my kids' basketball games, I was speaking to a, a parent in the stands. And we were having a good chat. And then they started talking about our kids because that's what we do as parents. We talk about our kids. And and she started talking about the, the, her child and what school he goes to. And I said, well, what school's that? They said, well, St. Thomas. Right. I could have moved on and kept talking about school and all that kind of stuff. But I stopped there and I thought that's an opportunity. Because you know what question I'm asking? St. Thomas, is that a Catholic school? She goes, yes, it's a Catholic school. So then I got a follow-up question. What is that question? you Catholic? <laughs> or is it just a school you send your kids to? She goes, Oh, you know, we're Catholic. I thought, great. I said, because I, I love, I, I follow God, I follow Jesus, but I'm not Catholic. Tell me, what, what do you believe? I'm interested. Already the door's open. That was an opportunity I could have missed. Right there, and then she starts talking about God and her understanding. And I realised she did not understand much at all. She was a cultural Catholic. Firstly, she didn't know that you can actually have a relationship with God himself. You had to go through a priest or a holy man or anointed person. I said, no, you can go straight to God. She goes, really? She didn't know why Jesus came. She didn't know that Jesus came to pay for her sin and to give her a new life. None of that. So I got to share the whole gospel with her. And she's her eyes are glued like, wow, this is new. This is exciting. Like I was with Kerry back in 1990. It's like, wow, tell me more. It was fantastic. Well, the siren of the game went and all the parents had to leave. And she looked at me and she said, thank you so much for that discussion. I thought it was so amazing. I said, yeah, me too. You want to think about it? He goes, yeah, I think I might. And we walked away. Now, I still see her every now and then. We haven't had spiritual conversations. But guess what? The door's already open. I know that she's not going to be standoffish. And I'm just going to keep praying for her. She was a person of peace. Who knows what God would do? At the end of the day, I'm just glad I can stand before God and say, God, use me, even if it is in a very, very small way. So do we want people to know Jesus? I'm sure for most of us, we would say yes. But remember... We are His disciples. And according to Matthew 28, we are commissioned by His authority to go. So would you go? God is using His church, His people to do that. Can I get everyone to stand? I'm going to close our time and uh, we're going to sing a song. If you are here and... Some of what I shared with you resonated and you go, yes, God send me. I I really want to be used of God. I want to look for those opportunities. I want the courage to step out. I just want people to know God and to think that you could use me. If any of that resonated with you, I want to pray. I want to pray that God's going to give you courage this week. I'm going to pray that God's going to give you opportunities that you can't miss. And there's something inside of you is going to get stirred like, wow, this is my moment. This is a divine opportunity. Because church, we need more people to follow Jesus. Jesus said about, I want my father's house to be full. That's still his purpose today. And he uses you and I to make that happen. So can we just close, uh, bow our heads, close our eyes, and let me pray for you. Uh, if you want to be used of God, may put your hands ahead in, in front of you as a sign of surrender. I'd love to pray for you. Father God, I thank you that you are here I thank You that You have created us with value and with purpose. You don't just know our names, You know every part of us. Because even before the foundation of the earth, You knew us. But Lord God, we have responded to You, but there are so many people who haven't. I also understand, Lord God, that You have given the church the wonderful mandate of going to the world and making disciples, to be a light, shine the light in the world so people may see Jesus. So I'm asking, Lord God, for those here today who want to surrender themselves to you this morning, to be used of you for this wonderful work. Lord, I pray that you'll give them courage in Jesus' name. I pray that you'll give them a passion for your name, a passion for your word. I pray, Lord God, that you'll give them that courage to step out even when it's uncomfortable. And Lord, that you will help them see those opportunities and not miss them. Help them speak. And when they speak, your spirit will enable them to speak the words that are on your heart. Lord, there are people who are considered a person of peace out there. There are people who are searching. Would you lead them to us or them to us or us to them? Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for empowering us. We give our lives to you. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to sing this song for a little bit because it's called Resurrender. And I was down there and I looked at some of the words. I thought this is just going to fit perfectly. We may not see all the words, but let this be a time of resurrender. And after we finish the song, I'm just going to say one more thing and then we're done. Let's sing. Let's sing in Resurrender to God. Amen. Let's go.
1: You're turning up the tables and calling for return. Do our lives upon the altar The things we did at first You're clearing out the temple You're cleaning out the dirt For we are your territory Lord, we are your church We are your people And you are our God your temple make us holy like you are you see a holy nation a flock to consecrate a chosen generation a people called to pray, so help us God to please you where only you can see, for every moment matters in eternity, and we are your people, and you are our God, and we are your temple, Make us holy like you are, and we are your children. You set us apart, and God, for your glory, make us holy. your people and you are our god and we are your temple make us holy like you are we are your children you set us apart and god for your glory make
0: us holy like you are god is good amen It would be amiss of me to talk about evangelism, but not give an opportunity for people who might be in this place who don't know Jesus. I'm not going to get you to put up your hand and say a prayer, but if you are here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe someone brought you to church, maybe you've been searching, or maybe you've really just turned your back on God. You're not putting Him first in your life. God wants to call you. The Father is saying, come home. Son, daughter, come home. See, God loves this world so much he sent his son to pay for our sin. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has turned our back on God. Every one of us has broken God's law. And because he's a holy God, we should be punished. But he's also a merciful God. And he says, I'm going to send my son to get punished on your behalf so you can set free and come into right relationship with me. What a gift, church. And there may be, I don't know if there are any people in this room with that But if it is, God's calling you today to come and to say, Lord, I've turned my back on you. I've lived life or tried to live life my own way and I can't do it. I realize I'm a sinner before a holy God. But I understand that you love me that much that you're willing to give your son for me to bleed and die on a cross to pay for my sins that I may be set free. I ask you to come into my life right now. I want to live for you. That's the prayer that you pray. When we say sinner's prayer, it's not actually a a Bible thing, just so you know. It's it's just words we put together to help us cry our heart out to God. But if you confess your sins before God, you believe that God raised him from the dead. God's going to welcome you in. So if that's anyone today, can I get you to come and chat to me? I'd love to have a, a talk to you. The easiest thing for you is to leave this place. The most courageous and faithful thing you can do is come and talk to me because that means God's really pulling on your heart. I'm going to leave that in your court. (laughs) Let me just pray over you one more time. Father, thank you for our time today. We thank you that you are leading us. We give you all the honour and glory. Jesus, may we put you number one every day. We live for you in your wonderful name. And everybody said...